Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 26, page 988. Page 988, Matthew 26, verses 1 through 25. Our text this morning is those two sections, Jesus anointed at Bethany and Judas to betray Jesus, 6 through 16. But look at the broader context and read 1 through 25, Matthew 26. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples... You know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Our text Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me, for you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve, and as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. This is God's word. It's a good word. May he bless us by it today and for the rest of our lives. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as we take a few weeks, three weeks, to focus on the central works of Christ, the central events of the gospel, the crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we begin with a passage on Jesus and money. Money. 
Jesus and money. And the issue in this passage really raises the question, how much is Jesus worth? How much is Jesus worth? How much is he worth to you? How much is he worth to me? The issue here is how valuable our Lord Jesus Christ is. Here we see the truth of what we'll sing. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. It's really not a story about the woman who anointed Jesus, Mary of Bethany, nor of Judas who betrayed Jesus, but about the value of Jesus contrasted in the actions of Mary and Judas. It reveals his glory. May we see his glory and his majesty today and be reignited with a passion to offer our whole life to Jesus in sacrifice and not be afraid to give ourselves wholeheartedly to him. How much is Jesus worth? First, we encounter a quarrel about wasted money. Verses 6 through 9. Was Mary wasting her money on Jesus? That's the question. Was she wasting her money on Jesus? First, we see the context of the anointing of Jesus by Mary. We read there at the beginning, verse 6, Now when Jesus was at Bethany, this actually occurred, John says, when Jesus was in Bethany before Palm Sunday, Saturday night, the night of the Sabbath. He's having a feast in the home of Simon the leper. In honor of Jesus who had healed Lazarus, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are there serving and celebrating Jesus Christ. And that's when a woman comes to anoint Jesus with very expensive oil. And that woman we read in John is Mary. Mary of Bethany. Remember the one who loved to sit at Jesus' feet and learn the gospel. Her dark life just shattered the darkness shattered by the light of the gospel as she learned hope for eternal life through Jesus Christ how much she understood about the death and resurrection that was coming we're not sure but she understood this one is valuable to me and to all the context and then we have the container of the anointing She came up to him with an alabaster flask. It's delicate white pottery made from gypsum. And then the content. Very expensive ointment. Mark says it was pure nard. Nard is an amber-colored, very fragrant essential oil extracted from the nard plant, a flowering plant in the honeysuckle family family which grows, a family of plant growing in the Himalayas, Nepal, China, and India. Very expensive to buy. Its fragrance, we read, and John filled the whole house. Then it's cost. It's cost. Very expensive. Extremely costly, says another gospel. It could have been sold for a large sum, the disciples say in verse 9. John says it was worth more than 300 denarii. It's a year's wages 
today's value about $60,000. Would you spend that much on one container of essential oils? I know you might like that stuff. I might. You know, I know you might think it's very great. Would you spend that much? And if you did, how would you use it? Maybe it was Mary's dowry. Those things could be used for a dowry. Maybe a nest egg, maybe an heirloom. But a great insurance policy to save up for a rainy day in case Mary's life would encounter trouble and she needed money and food. Cost and then the quantity of this anointing. She breaks the head off the container. It's the only way to open it, says Mark. The Gospel of Mark says that. She poured all its contents on Jesus, on his head, and John stresses it covers his feet, the whole thing. Dumped out all this money on Jesus, and it was gone, just like that, gone. And the disciples were shocked, and the Bible says they were indignant, and John says Judas led the charge. They're accusing and they're scolding Mary of wasting all this money on Jesus. Why this waste, they said. It could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. And they criticize her for this over-the-top emotional devotion to Jesus. Like, I know he's great, but come on. You don't have to go to the extreme like that. This exposes not only Mary's heart, how much Jesus is worth to her, but it exposes the disciples' heart. How little he really is worth to them. How how they don't value him like they should, and especially Judas, we'll see in a moment. They miss it. She gets it. Remember how we saw this devotion last week in the three unnamed mighty men in 2 Samuel 23 when David longs for a drink of water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem. And three of his men, he's not thirsty. He can get water somewhere else. Three of his men, they break through the enemy lines of the Philistines. They risk their lives. They risk all this talent of the army, these three mighty men, to get a jug of water and bring it back to David. David says, I can't drink that. And he pours it out before the Lord. Why do they do that? Just because? Just because David is so valuable to them as their king? The one who rescued the nation? The one who's the ancestor of the coming Messiah and his throne will be established forever? Yeah, that's, that's, he's valuable. But it looks like a waste. That's outrageous. That was foolish. Come on, guys. People pour out so much money, time, resources, and energy on Jesus. And often it earns you scorn if you do so. Listen to what J.C. Ryle says of her critics, of Mary's critics. 
the spirit of these narrow-minded fault finders is unhappily all too common. Their followers and successors are to be found in every part of the church. There's never lacking a generation of people who depreciate what they call extremes in religion. And they are incessantly recommending what they term moderation. Moderation. Moderation in the service of Christ. If a man devotes his time, money, and affections to the pursuit of worldly things, they don't blame him. If he gives himself up to the service of money, pleasure, or politics, that's okay. They don't find fault. But if the same man devotes himself and all he has to Christ, they can scarcely find words to express their sense of his folly. He's beside himself. He is out of his mind. He is a fanatic. He's an extremist. In short, they'd regard it as waste. That's true. This lives in us. Why this waste? Should she have given it to the poor instead? That's the question. How much is Jesus worth to us? People will get gladly spend all kinds of money on themselves and their luxuries. But when it comes to the gospel, they suddenly get worried about spending too much. So we got to be careful. Is it wasted money? No, Jesus calls it gospel money, verses 10 through 13. That's the second part of this passage. Jesus claims this woman's expense as money in the service of the gospel. And the first thing he does is he defends her action, verses 10 and 11. Why do you trouble a woman? She's done a beautiful thing to me. You always have the poor with you, but you don't always have me. What's your reason for being against her? Why are you bullying her? This is really real. Sometimes when a person, maybe in our school or in our church, is really devoted to Christ, he or she will get mocked, bullied, or looked down on as strange, weird. Why? What's in my heart that makes me look down on that person that way? What's in me? Isn't the issue really how I look at Jesus? Isn't that really the issue? Don't we look down on people like Mary because we have a low view of Jesus? First he defends her. And then he praises her, verse 11. She has done a beautiful thing to me, verse 12, in pouring this ointment on my body. She's done it to prepare me for burial. You know, he says, the poor you're always going to have with you. They will always be there and they will always need care. But you don't always have me and what I'm about to do is a one-time thing. That is more valuable than anything else in all history, in all the world. What I'm about to do saves the poor. Something your money can't do. 
though they do need our help. It saves the world. Basically, Jesus is saying the gospel of my death and burial as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is more necessary, a more necessary cause than any other cause. Even more important than food banks and hospitals. As important as they are, the gospel of Jesus Christ way outweighs them all. Jesus' death on the cross and his burial is worth everything. The poor have no hope without him. Mary has no hope without him. I have no hope without him. You have no hope without him. Jesus is extremely valuable and precious and he takes her action, her expensive action, says this is for the gospel. And that's what we see in the gospel money, the third thing, first he defends her, then he praises her, and then he memorializes her action. Verse 13, truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This is the gospel. She's giving money to the gospel. My death and burial is the message going out to the whole world. And the gospel is extremely valuable. The gospel of the finished work of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life. That he became our flesh and blood. That gospel. And then he became loaded down with our sin. The Lord, the Father laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then he was crushed by the punishment, the wrath of God upon our sin. Till it destroyed him on the cursed cross. And his body thrown into the tomb. That's the good news. He went there for us to give us a door of hope. There's a way out of our sin and there's a way out of God's wrath, judgment. There's a way out of death and there's a way out of the grave. Jesus is the open door out of all our trouble and sorrow and dead ends. How is that not the most valuable thing in all the world? The poor you will always have with you. But this moment is everything for all nations, for you and me. So value it. Lift it up. Lift up the name of Jesus, the work of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus as supremely important, worth everything you are and have. So we say in the canons of Dort, the death of God's son is the only an entirely complete sacrifice and satisfaction for sins. It's of infinite value and worth, more than sufficient to atone for the sins of the whole world. Hebrews 10:22. Christ offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. And you know, really the devotion that David's men showed to David and the devotion that Mary showed to Jesus is just a tiny, dim picture of the expense Jesus paid for our salvation. He who was rich 
in heavenly glory came down and became poor for our sakes, going all the way to death, all the way to hell, all the way to the curse. He became poor for our sakes so that we through his poverty might be made rich. So that whoever believes in Jesus might have eternal fellowship with God and all the riches of glory. And a new heavens and a new earth with Jesus. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive honor and wisdom and might and glory and power and worship. What is he worth? Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Mary is saying, I pour my whole future on you. The hymn, Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without him, I would fall. Jesus, priceless treasure, source of purest pleasure, dearest friend to me. Sinclair Ferguson tells the story, true story, of a woman in his hometown in Scotland. When he was a teenager in the 60s, writing a letter to the editor in their daily newspaper, and the letter was written by a desperate woman in the community. She's writing in, pleading, with somebody to persuade her daughter, her daughter who had just graduated from university, what three out of a hundred people did in that time. What a great privilege. What a huge investment. So many skills, so many talents, so much knowledge. She's pleading with anybody who's reading the paper, can somebody please knock some sense into my daughter? Why? After all we've invested in her and all the knowledge and credentials she received, she's going to waste her life of becoming a missionary of Jesus. She was angry, infuriated by this waste. Who would do such a thing? People often think that way, right? You're going to leave all that, all that wealth and fame and comfort to preach the gospel, to become a missionary, to give your life to Jesus. What a pity. What a waste. But there's no greater thing to waste your money and energy and life on than the gospel of salvation. It's the greatest gift anyone anywhere could ever receive. At our meeting of classes, Southwestern Ontario, this past week, we had, and there were... It was lovely to listen to these reports from our missions in our classes. The Ecuador mission where Josh and Michelle Vogel serve in Keenan Day. New Horizon Church Plant in Scarborough. Hope Center in Toronto. Hope Academy Mission School. Cornerstone Campus Ministry at Western and Fanshawe in London. Mission to my migrant workers both in Cambridge and Niagara. House of Prayer, church plant for African refugees in London just started. Then you could add, brothers and sisters, the ministries of other, others of our Ontario churches, the Word of Life in Ajax, 
ministry to the Muslims. Pathway to Peace, ministry to Muslims in St. Catharines. River of Life Church Plant in Niagara Falls. Brampton's Eternal Life Mission in Mexico. Now they want to add a second missionary to serve with Pastor Van Dyken in Mexico. And then you add the ministries of all our 23 local churches in Ontario. You know what? That's millions of dollars per year thrown away on Jesus. That's millions of dollars per year being spent every year by these few churches in Ontario on the gospel. Not only dollars, energy, time, travel, people, resources. Is it worth it? Does somebody need to knock some sense into our heads? That's the question. And after these reports were done, a delegate came forward to pray for our missions. I was so struck by the beginning of his prayer. Dear Father, all this money and time and energy we're pouring into this would be a waste of time if it were not for the name of Jesus. Bingo. Jesus makes it worth it. The good news, the gospel makes all this worth it. It's worth it all and much, much more because he's the life-giving light of the world. Good news for all peoples and nations. He's all the world to me. The question's not about stewardship. Of course, funds have to be handled well and carefully. It's about sacrifice. The gospel is of infinite value and worth and no sacrifice made for Jesus, brothers and sisters, is a waste. It honors him and he praises you for it. He defends you, he praises you against the mockery and accusations of the world to whom this makes no sense. You need to have some sense knocked into your head. Well, thirdly, we have this absolute contrast with Judas's blood money right after this. I'm convinced that's why Matthew and Mark take this event of the anointing of Bethany that happened or of Mary in Bethany that happened on Saturday and they move it up to Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday in order to contrast it with Judas. And suddenly we step verses 11 and 12. We step in the last few verses 14 through 16. From this glorious light into deepest darkness. What a contrast. One of the starkest contrasts in Scripture. Mary's devotion to Judas's rejection. And it turns out he isn't concerned about the poor at all. John says he liked to dip his hand into the money bag. But the real issue is he's not a believer. He doesn't trust in Jesus at all. Jesus is worth nothing to him. That's the real issue. So he goes and makes a covenant with the chief priests. He initiates this. He goes and says, what will you give me if I sell him to you, betray him to you, hand him over to you? Well, uh, 30 pieces of silver, a fraction of the cost of the ointment. It's called blood money, money paid to get someone killed. In fact, Matthew 27, 
calls it blood money. Judas throws this money to the temple and the chief priests say, what are we going to do with this blood money? But whatever its value, 30 pieces of silver and dollars and cents, the main thing is that this is what the Old Testament calls the price of a slave. Exodus 21, if your ox gored your neighbor's slave, you had to pay 30 shekels of silver to cover his accidental death. So it became known as the price of a slave, 30 pieces of silver. Later we come across the same thing in Zechariah. When the people of Israel want to get rid of the prophet Zechariah, we don't want you as our shepherd, and they buy him out. For 30 pieces of silver to get him to quit. It's a way to get rid of your shepherd. And that gets fulfilled now. Price of a slave. That's what he's worth to Judas and the chief priests. From Mary who values Jesus so highly, she pours out a year's worth of wages on him to Judas who values Jesus so lowly, he sells him for a price of a slave on the meat market. And now he looks for an opportunity to betray him for the moment when they can come and arrest him and kill him. And what he does to Jesus will also be told in memory of him, the anti-gospel. But what's so striking about this whole account is even as Judas devalues Jesus, Jesus accepts that payment of the price of a slave. He submits himself to that to make the most valuable, infinitely valuable sacrifice in the whole world for sinners. This only, in a sense, increases his value in God's economy, contrary to what Judas was thinking. Amazing love. As Jesus was willing to submit to this terrible demonic betrayal in order to give his life for the world, in order to give us the gospel. It's amazing. How despicable is Judas the betrayer? How valuable is Jesus our Savior? But the point of the gospel, the point of Jesus, is to ask you and me, how much is you? How much am I worth to you? Are you Mary or are you Judas? Do you regard your own money and life as more valuable than Jesus? Are your own possessions more important to you than the gospel? What does it profit for a man to gain the whole world and let you lose his soul, said Jesus? What is the name Jesus worth to you? That's what I love about the story of the NHL goalie, James Reamer. I don't know everything about his life, but I'm just looking at his testimony. When he refuses to wear the pride jersey in pregame warm-ups, he's very explicit why he's doing this. I'm a Christian, he says, not only in name, but I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who died for my sin. And I'm his follower. And his word is my highest authority. And I can't do this because of him. Now he hasn't been fired yet. But imagine if he was. What a waste of talent or what a wasted legacy. How could you do that? 
anything done for the name of Jesus according to the will of Jesus is not a waste. This is for all of us. Are we going to be the Judas? Take the Judas road that says, I think I'll sell Jesus off in order to protect myself and my job and my legacy. To stay out of prison. Think of how many people in the world by stepping out of their doors to go to church on the Lord's Day threaten, are threatened with arrest and imprisonment and execution. The name of Jesus is worth it. Take the Judas road as saying, I think I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to back away from Jesus because he's not worth that much. Or are we going to say, Lord Jesus, your name is so important, I will explicitly and expressly confess your name though it cost me all I have. Because that's where all the life and hope are in him. And giving your life to him who gave us life for you. That's where it is. He is worth everything. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you for putting this incredible challenge before us. I see too much of Judas in my life, not enough of Mary. We confess that to you. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died even for that sin. So that our devaluing you can be covered in the sight of God. We repent of that and we pray that instead by your Holy Spirit, you will help us to value you as infinitely worthy of our worship and our whole life. And whatever stand we need to take to honor Christ. Father, give us that grace so that we might shine as stars in a wicked and perverse generation that wants to destroy you. But we adore you. Amen.